Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Tyler Jones. We are talking on Sunday night, and to be specific, this is Sunday night after the Hawks' second summer league loss and before the opening DeAndre Hunter, Bruno Fernando press conference. So if anything dramatic happens at that presser, you'll uh, you would we just have to go without that information. So uh, we're, we're yeah, hopefully you know I don't I would imagine nothing too uh, major is going to go down unless yeah you know, somebody says something super uh, uh, politically incorrect or something <laughs> of that nature or or a mean type situation happens where just something super funny or something uncomfortable happens. I doubt any of that will happen. It'll probably be your standard press conference. They're going to talk about, you know, their thoughts about Atlanta and how great it is to be in this situation, how great it is to play with Trey Young, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yes, I, you lots know, of boilerplate. Yeah, yeah. So it's, It won't even there. be as dramatic as uh, Lloyd Pierce saying during his in-game interview at Summer League, that he plans to use Cam Reddish some as his backup point guard. Yeah, and he said he said similar things about, you know, trying Kevin Herter as his backup point guard. And, he kind well. of and I think, well, I mean, yeah, he said it. He said it. He said it in, um, during the draft combine uh, about Herter playing backup point guard. And, you know, it just goes with the idea that the Hawks would prefer to not have a traditional backup point guard. I think that's been made clear. Yep. Uh, through their their decision making, especially the Evan Turner trade, Evan Turner trade, which you know, while Tim Bazemore is undoubtedly a better basketball player in a vacuum, it could be argued that for the Hawks in particular, Evan Turner is probably a better fit, uh, just because he can run it, like he can play, make, and run an offense at a basic level. Right, but really the value of Evan Turner in that role is that now you're not playing anybody point guard size and you got mismatches. You're going to have a mismatch against most teams back up point guard. Um, that's really the value that Evan Turner is going to have on this off team. So, you know, there's a chance that he can, you know, cause like bottom line, Evan Turner is not, not a bad basketball player um, in the sense that he's unplayable. Like he, He's a very good. He's a very switchable defender. You could make a case that uh, uh, he's probably a better defender than Baysmore, just due to the fact that he can guard more positions and he's bigger and more physical. Right. Than Kent is, you know, you know, Kent. Kent is good in his own way. Uh, Evan Turner's just huge. Like he can legitimately guard power forwards uh, in in this league, you know, and you know, guard the big wings in this league. Respectively, so I'm glad you he's, brought he's up Evan Turner yeah. early in the podcast like, because we specified that we're recording on Sunday night. But what we didn't specify is that uh, we're recording from Atlanta. I am not at summer league. I have no designs on going to Vegas, and uh, I think the one big takeaway from Evan Turner's opening press conference was that Evan Turner had no desire to be in Los Angeles. <laughs> he, he, so uh, I, I appreciated Evan in that respect. Wait, he's not in Vegas. I thought he was in Vegas for a bit. He was going uh, for like a day, and he, you know, he he, he yeah, made it clear yeah, he think- wanted to step in and step out.
Yeah, I hate Vegas. But I'm going for a day, <laughs> so I'm only I'm gonna go the fifth to you know see him six. You know, five there. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna save my money and go. You know what I'm saying? So I'm 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 gonna go support, but it's it's too damn hot out there. So I'm uh, I'm gonna go for that one day. I think there's gonna be a team dinner that night, and then, I don't know. Figure something out. Your personality's not a Vegas personality. Nah, it's not, man. Cause I don't like being finessed. You know what I'm saying? So, so and then like my cell phone never work out. Like nothing. Like nothing ever works. It's too much traffic. Like all that stuff. As soon as you hop off the plane, it's just walk around with swamp ass. That's not, that's not, that's not cool. So I'll, I'll miss out. And I'm gonna go to Chicago. Give me a little breeze. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think the whole team actually went for it. I think that's something that Lloyd Pierce has actually talked about because, uh, you know, we saw Chandler Parsons uh, there as well. And, you know, Chandler Parsons, you know, speak on him like you, if he's healthy, he's good. The The problem isn't his caliber of play. The issue is just that he, he's just been a broken down mess for three seasons now in Memphis. Sure. Um, but even though last season was probably his healthiest season, uh, uh, he's been since his days and <clears throat> days playing for the Mavericks, uh, and he's only thirty. And hopefully, in spot minutes, he can regain some some level of his form. Because if he can, he's just a good basketball player. Like he's a good shooter, good decision maker. He's big, six ten. He's, he's not the, as athletic as he used to be. Of, of all the people uh, that athlete. I've covered in five years in the NBA, like he's. I think the one who just blew me away in person how big he is. Like, you watch him on TV and you're like, oh, yeah, Chandler Parsons, you know, he's a wing. And you, like, he's a legitimate, like, 6'10 without shoes on. Like, he's enormous. Yeah, he's huge. Uh, and so, like, he's just, and he's a good shooter. And so, you know, he just, he's just another good dribble pass shoot guy that Schlenk loves to, loves to have on his team. And, you know, Compared to what they were sending out Solomon Hill and, uh, you know, Miles Plumlee, he's, he's probably – he's just a functionally better basketball player. The question is, can he reasonably be on the floor, you know, uh, for 15, 20 minutes a game? Can he survive a full 82-game season? He hasn't shown it in three years. But if he can, you know, he might be somebody the Hawks. He, both he and Everton are, are guys who fit a mold that – uh, I could totally see the Hawks doing uh, one-year deals for them at, you know, much less money, but just due to, due to their fit on the roster because that's something, like, if you've noticed, a lot of what the Hawks have done, including drafting Cam Reddish, drafting DeAndre Hunter, um, and then trading for Turner and Parsons, they've gotten a lot bigger at the wing. Like, just functionally, they've just gotten bigger. Sure. They've gotten more versatile guys guys who can dribble past and shoot. I mean, they uh, gave up a big wing in Solomon Hill, but he just, I don't think he fits their style of play as well either because he's not really a dribble it, pass it, shoot kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, these are, you know, Evan Turner's not really a dribble pass shoot guy. He's a dribble, well, but dribble pass guy. Dribble, <laughs> yeah, but on, on Evan's front, just, just real quickly, uh, he is decent in the mid-range, and if he's playing point guard, right? Uh, you know, you if he, as long as he's got the ball in his hands, he's fine offensively. It's just sure. when he doesn't have the ball, you know, teams just don't have to guard him. So it'll be interesting. But, you know, if he's exclusively playing backup point guard, man, that, that's such a – like, that's such a 
better basketball player than what the Hawks were trying out last season. No disrespect to Jeremy Lin uh, and uh, <clears throat> Jalen Adams, but Evan Turner is just functionally a better basketball player. And while he's not going to be guarding point guard, you know, I, I'm interested to see how these lines can work because you can see lines where Ben Bree guarding the point guard or Cam Bray guarding the point guard. And that's, <clears throat> that's a, a legit advantage for the Hawks in that they both, those two guys in particular, have the size, length, and athleticism to really bother um, the, you know, especially backup point guards in this league. Okay. Oh, I get to talk now because you're coughing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this completely backwards because, like, this is a podcast. Like, what what are people? going to be excited to talk about you know we're supposed to talk about deandre hunter and bruno fernando and maybe cam reddish and omari spellman and the summer league guys in our first glimpse of them and we're talking about you know chandler parsons and evan turner let's go where this needs to go yeah i agree I pick, agree. pick your um, favorite summer league topic and, and let's go there because well i think I want to really hit on uh, Marty Spellman in particular because it's strangely controversial uh, in the sense that, you know, his body hasn't changed. Uh, you know, there's, if you look at him, he might even be bigger than what he was at the start of last season um, at Summer League. Uh, and, you know, that's just a topic of conversation. And I, and I think I want to have a, a, little, a little more nuanced conversation in the sense that, it's entirely possible that his body is just changing. Uh-huh. Because uh, I, I, I the report... I wasn't expecting no, I that. Mean, but, but, but in the sense that he doesn't have control over what's happening to him at the moment. Okay. Um, I mean, I was just going to say that he's, you know, he's 20. Like, he's, like, still growing. Like, he's probably adding just mass the way a normal 20-year-old would add mass and be bigger than they were at 19. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things like that that could be in play here. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. Like, from all accounts, like, he's still in, like, he's still working out with the team and he's, you know, showing up to, he's doing what he needs to do. Right. Uh, so, like, Omari Stone's body is probably going to be a thing until he just physically matures and grows up uh, physically, not mentally, because you know, I'd be concerned if, you know, people weren't coming out and saying, like, if Chris Kirshner of The Athletic wasn't coming out and saying, like, you know, Spellman is working out with the team. He is showing up. He's at workouts, you know, uh, with everybody else. It's, you know, but, you know, you just look at his body and his frame and it just looks like he's blowing up. And that just might be what what's happening to him at the moment. And there's not much he can do. Like, he, you know, if we want to talk about his play, his play has been great me for um you know two games uh he's moving his feet but a lot even better. more than just his play like does like does he look athletic at his weight does he look spry you know does he look spry does he look like he has stamina i mean i think those are bigger questions than what's the number that he weighs yeah the 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 issue though the issue though is that you know he's susceptible to injury playing at such a high weight uh you know, you kind of saw with, you know, Zion, who came came to Summer League out of shape, played his first game and got hurt on a fairly indiscreet play. And now he's out for Summer League because, really, he's out because he's not 
he, he wasn't in the physical shape he needs to be in particular. And, like, it's easy to say, hey, you just got to cut, you know, you know, go cut 40 pounds in the offseason or go cut 50 pounds in the offseason. And, like, here's the thing, like, these guys are young. This isn't the NFL well, you got you guys got to understand. NFL football players can cut weight easier, one because they're smaller, like just in general, like they're just physically smaller, and two, they're they're older, like they're older, like it's it's just easier when 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 your body is no longer growing, of uh, the way you know when, once you've added all your grown man weight, you have a better idea of how to you know manage that. Whereas you know these young guys, because again, Spellman's only twenty one. Uh, and, you know, Zion, I don't even think he turned 19 yet. Like, the, those guys, like, it's just hard. It's just hard for them to control their weight when, you know, they're probably gaining 10 pounds every year and you know, literally, and they're doing, you know, they're basically doing the same thing. So it, it's, it's like Spellman's, my larger point is that Spellman's body composition is, is, is not a year-long thing. It's, it's a multi-year process where, you know, hopefully when he's 24, 25, he's more mature physically. Uh, you know, you can see a more streamlined, you know, streamlined athlete, what you expect from a basketball player. All that said, I've been really impressed with his play. Uh, you know, you can talk on He had a better game uh, this game, too. But, you know, really both games, like, I'm, I've been really impressed with specifically how he's moving his feet, uh, especially on switches. Like, he's just – because, I mean, last summer league, he was just terrible at every aspect of basketball, especially on defense. And now, like, it seems like he's made he, – he's just smarter. He's just an adult out there. And that's been really good to see from him. Yeah, going back to his body for a second before we leave it entirely, I mean, it can be good to have mass as a basketball player. I'm not saying that Spellman is playing at his, at his ideal weight right now, but, you know, it can be helpful to have – more weight as you try to do certain things on a basketball court. It's not going to help you explode vertically, but you can gain leverage in certain situations on your drives to the rim. You can, you know, defend the post better. I mean, there there are certain advantages to having weight. So it's not it's not a thing where like it, he like has to. You know, it's not a thing where just losing weight, losing weight, losing weight is is always going to be better. There's going to be some optimal weight for him to play at, and you know. Some some people play better at a higher weight than they do at lower weights, and Spellman needs to play at a lower weight than the one that he's at right now. But you know he might be a player for whom playing with a little bit extra mass might be a good thing because, like we said, you look at these two games, he looks pretty nimble. Like when he's when he's in you know two man defense situations where he's either a help defender or you know it's a pick and roll defense, he's made a number of really great plays at the rim. Like he's he's just he's you know inside the box defensively, he's looked really really good. I've been a little bit nervous when he's on the ball defensively. There've been a couple of times in the two games where, you know his his man has the ball out behind the three point line, and they just square up and shoot. And it's yeah, like he has to be close. He has to trust that he's quick enough to, you know, move his feet defensively for twenty five feet on his way to the. He knows that he can move his feet for. 10 feet or 8 feet or 12 feet, I don't think he trusts himself to go 25 feet defensively if he has to. And, you know, he has to, and, and that's where I think, you know, he has to lose a little bit of weight. He's, you definitely know he's 
heavier than he needs to be on those types of plays um, because they're just squaring up and shooting over him. And he's a guy who has a long wingspan. Uh, not extraordinarily long, but you can see on a lot of these plays in the last two games where he just he just reaches up and gets stuff. Um, you know, I think he had three blocks today. I don't know how many he had in the first game, but he's he's definitely he affecting the, shots. He had three in the first game too. Yeah, he's yeah, been, yeah, he's been all over the place on that front. So he he can get to shots, but I think just on the perimeter, his where he sets up defensively when his man has the ball out beyond the three point line, he just has to be closer, and it's just a matter of. He has to trust that he can get 25 feet or, or that he can get some help or something like that, too. Um, but, you know, offensively, I don't, we haven't said too much about his offense. I mean, he looks like he's going to shoot fine. It seems like he looks like he's going to pass fine. It just he, he seems like he has a good offensive feel for the game, except some of his post moves have been kind of just kind of look like junk. And, you know, we have to speak to the overall skill level of the Hawks summer league offense at the moment, which is not great at all. Uh, but it just feels like there are some possessions where you know, he, he's trying to do back-to-the-basket stuff, and he doesn't have the size or the explosiveness or really just the overall skill level. I don't think that's something he's probably done a lot. He didn't really have to do too much. You know, they, they were using him as a three-point shooter at Villanova. They wanted to play five out. He doesn't look entirely comfortable down in the post yet. He's had a couple of makes, but it just seems like there are some wild misses when he sets up down there. Yeah, he doesn't have the that. I don't think he has that natural touch. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's intuitive that, at all yet. Yeah, I, I, that I would that you know John Collins just has naturally, where you see Spellman on the block on a, in a mismatch and he's just not converting. Uh, that could, that could be a variety of things like like. That's also not something he's going to be doing in the NBA. Uh, you know, his primary is going to be as a pick-and-pop threat and a pick-and-roll threat in particular, sure. not posting up. Even, even though he's made a couple of pretty pretty intuitive passes out yep. of the post, uh, you know, looking to pass it. And that might be something, you know, the Hawks want to take advantage of, especially with his wide frame. Because, again, I, I don't think his weight is an issue in terms of his play. No. I just think – I think it's just going to be, can he be healthy for a full 82 season playing so heavy? Uh, that, 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 that's really where the conversation starts and ends with me. His play, his play has been out. Like, yep. I mean, even his screen sets, like he's setting wide screens, yep. getting, getting the ball handler good looks uh, when he does set screens. And, uh, you know, the couple times he gets in on the post and team double team, it's a quick pass to the corner for open three-pointers. So, like, his decision-making has been outstanding uh, to me. Yep. I liked but, in the uh, first game, you know, there were a couple of times where he just, you know, he sensed where the defense was and how they were reacting to a pick-and-roll. And he was not in the, you know, the pick-and-roll in those situations. And he just, he felt where the defense was going to be and made a back cut and, like, the ball never got there. The, nobody even attempted to try to throw the pass, but he's wide open under the basket, basically, if somebody throws a pass there. Trey Young's not going to miss that if, if he does that. And just, yeah. I mean, maybe it'll, you know, there's some negative reinforcement, which you hate to see because you want him to keep doing that. But if he does that when Trey Young's around, he's going to be fine because he's going to get the ball in those situations. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to talk about passing, we'd probably make a quick aside just, Jalen Adams, uh, this this past game that happened uh, was really bad, and it kind of dragged everything down to what the Hawks were doing. Like the Hawks just didn't have a chance. 
when Jalen Adams was on the floor, either because he was turning the ball over, when he was trying to make the right pass, or when he, you know, or he was just dribbling possession, you know, dribbling the clock out of possession and had to throw up some junk because of it. Uh, it was really disappointing from him, and it's really disappointing in the sense that you couldn't really get a read on some other guys. Yeah. Uh, specifically, we want to talk about DeAndre Hunter. You know, he, he Hunter couldn't get the ball on the move, like, at all. <laughs> uh, there was a couple times yeah. where he made – he said great – like, they were running some good action with him and Adams uh, doing, doing some one-three pick and rolls, getting the switch. But, you know, Adams couldn't get him the ball on the move when he was, you know, cutting to the rim. So they, they, they had to either settle for a post-up or they could switch back easily because Adams' decision-making decision just wasn't up to snuff. And so – and he didn't play you know, the first game. I think I think he's dealing yeah. with like a toe injury or something. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And he missed the first game because of it. But then in the first game, they had Tajir McCall playing. And, you know, I like a lot of the things that McCall did. He kind of looked like a, a legitimate basketball player for that talent level that was out on the floor. He, he didn't look out of place at all, you know, for a non-roster guy. But he didn't look like a point guard. Like all the passes were off by three feet. Um, and so even with Adams, it's like I thought Adams played good defense today and I thought McCall played good defense in the in the first game. But just in terms of having a point guard run the show, uh, you, know, you get a little bit of that from Matt Mooney, but it just feels like a lot of the Hawks offense, we don't really even get to see what it is just because there's nobody to really run the show. Yeah, and that's why it was kind of good to see DeAndre Hunter being a playmaking role because he made some nice passes uh, off the dribble. Yep. You know, Hunter, he, he's just solid. Um, I don't know if there's, you know, his his box score wasn't that great. I, you no. know, he was, I think he was like two for eight, but really his decision, I thought his decision making was really good. Absolutely. Um, uh, his jumper was off today, but, you know, the shots that he takes, he typically makes, like all the shots he took, he was open, he was just missing. Yep. Uh, you'd like to see him get to the free throw line a bit more, use his physicality a bit more. But <laughs> in a game with 180 free throws, yeah. And here's <laughs> the thing: like we kind of saw this with Trey Young. You're really seeing it with a lot of these lottery picks. You got to understand these guys haven't played basketball since April. Nope. You know, and that's just exclusively for guys who made it deep into the tournament. Most of these guys' uh, season ends in March, and and so like it's just such a long layover and and when you're such an elite prospect like those guys are like you're not playing five on five basketball like you're just not so this is probably the first run he's had at all you know he wasn't practicing due to due to uh the restrictions with the trade sure so it, it, you know it, he, he's playing catch up but even with all that said you can clearly see the talent uh especially defensively i thought he was pretty good uh you know, very just moves his feet well. Uh, physical guys struggle to get by him, and when they do, he he has such great length. Like he makes it difficult for them to finish over him or around him. So, like he's he's just big, physical on that end, and it's, you know it's good to see. Um, so, and you know, going into the season, he's probably going to be penciled in as a you know starting small forward just due to the fact that you know he's. He, he, his jumper is already there, even though the release is slow. Since he has such a high release point, that shouldn't really be an issue. Yeah. 
And uh, it'd be it'd be great to see him play alongside Trey Young, so that you know when he is doing his stuff off the ball. Because I thought he was I thought his off the ball movement was pretty good. It's just that you know these guys aren't you know they're not really gifted passers in the sense that they can't hit hit a guy on, on the move when he has the advantage. And so hopefully you know playing alongside Trey Young will really boost up his boost up his offensive profile. But you know there's really nothing more to add with Hunter. Like you kind of know what you're getting with him. Um, could have said that, you know, while you draft him, he's just a solid basketball player he's with a chance to even be more than that due to his physical upside. So, you know, good good to finally see him out there on the floor. Yeah, and we we talked, or maybe I talked at least, about, you know, Spellman not looking intuitive down in the low post, you know, kind of some, some misses that were further off than you would like. Hunter looks like he has some feel down on the post. Like if he gets those baseline turnarounds, you know, it kind of goes with his high release that he has on his jump shot. He kind of has a high release on some of those post moves. But, you know, he's a big wing. And if teams try to get away with guarding him with a small wing, you know, if you get late in the shot clock, that looks like something that, you know, you can at least get some sort of reasonable facsimile of, facsimile of, a, of a, you know, open look just by throwing him the ball down low. Yeah, and I think that's like I think that's going to be a weapon for him um, in the NBA. Uh, now, uh, you know, I just want to hit on something. I've personally got no problem with mid-range jumpers if you're good at hitting them. Right. Uh, I don't think, and you know, in, at Virginia, DeAndre Hunter flat out was just one of the most the best jump shooters in in college last year. So, if that part of his game translates. Like, I've got no problem with him taking uh, mid-range jumpers if he's open, if, you know, through through either what he's doing or what the offense is giving him if he's hitting at, you know, a, an above-average rate in the mid-range. You know, that's not really a problem for me. The problem only arises if he's not getting to the free-throw line. Like, if, he, if he's trading in, you know, potential free-throw attempts when he has a mismatch, physical mismatch for, you know, semi-contested mid-range jumpers. Uh, but... The mid-range, but for this game that we saw, the mid-range shots that he was taking tonight, I thought for the most part he was open, um, but he was just rushing his shots or just, you know, again, it's, probably, it's his first game since uh, the national title game, like, period. So it's, you know, it's probably going to take him, it's going to take him a while to get, you know, situated and get, you know, functioning. So hopefully he'll have uh, better better games going forward in some of these. But overall, you know, he's a great prospect, and glad the Hawks treated up to get him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about good decision making in terms of passes, but I think he showed good decision making in terms of shots too. Like when the defense wasn't there, and it was his job to shoot, he shot. You know, he didn't hesitate. It's like, okay, the, the defense is, you know, retreating. I'm open here. I'm going to shoot it. I, I think he just really instinctual and just has a good sense of what he's supposed to be doing out there. And, you know, one game is one game. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what his shot numbers are. I'm just looking to see, you know, does he do the right things. And he has a good feel for when defenses are trying to cheat towards him and bring some help versus uh, when he's by himself or wide open, you know. He just he has that, that sense of what he's supposed to be doing, and he does it. Uh, any, any of the... We still have to talk about Bruno Fernando. Any of the non-roster guys worth talking about? Uh, Mooney, you know, 
I, I liked how he, he's kind of a pro. He yeah. might not be an NBA pro, but, you know, he he does have a chance in the sense that he's pretty big. If he's going to be a point guard, he's pretty big. He's physical, and he's got a functional jumper. So, you know, that's somebody I, I would keep my eye on. Uh, you already touched on McCall. Uh, and then uh, Cyber, you know, he's been okay. He can shoot, but uh, I don't know what else. Yeah. That seems it, to be kind agreed. of the end of his skill set. I, I kind of like Wimbush. He's a little bit a little bit all over the place, I mean, and I don't think he can shoot, but he's he's got an aggressiveness and an athleticism that, I mean, I don't think it translates to where he ever makes it to the NBA necessarily, but, you know, if he really worked at it, He's an older guy, too. He's probably 25, 26, so I don't know. I, I, he's he's kind general, of impressive. I do like just the overall talent of his G League team. Uh, I think they're, they've been, you know, or I mean the uh, summer league team. Right. I, it's filled with, you know, quality basketball players. It's just, yeah. you know, the wins haven't came uh, for a variety of reasons, which I'm not really too concerned about. Like, no. wins don't matter. But just overall raw talent, like, these are, these are some interesting guys just to – you know, maybe uh, see if they they've got something going forward. Uh, but yeah, I think if you know, if, we want to talk. If if two of these guys, if two of these non-roster guys were to make it to College Park, I, I think I'd want to see Mooney and Wimbush. Uh, and I have no idea what sort of aspirations or hopes they have of you know either playing in Europe or you know trying to catch a two-way or whatnot. But you know, if they're open to to being G League players, those would be two that I'd be interested in. I'd add McCall as well, right? Uh, just due to, I mean, he was really good that first game. It's unfortunate he got hurt. Uh, sadly, we, we can't see Charlie. We didn't see Charlie Brown. He's been hurt these uh, right. uh, first two games, uh, so we can't. We don't have anything to go off of him. But if we get in with Fernando, I thought he was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, he's long. Uh, plays with a lot of energy. One thing I hope he stops doing is turning his back when uh, guys drive into him because that's just going to be an automatic free throw. Yep, uh, I he, saw that. He shouldn't be scared. <laughs> like he shouldn't be scared to just go straight up and challenge guys, uh, considering you know his height, length, and wingspan. Up, but overall he's pretty good. I, I really enjoyed his feel for the game, especially when he had the ball in his hands and he had to make decisions with the ball. Uh, Jumper is clearly not there, but you know he's a very good playmaker. Um, made some good decisions uh, this this first game, so hopefully we see that we can see that continue. But he really flashed uh, some some strong defensive potential uh, this first game. Uh, but you know, sadly, again, this just goes back to the Hawks just don't really have you know Trey Young. Trey Young's not out there to get these guys open, get these guys quality <laughs> looks. So it's really it's really a lot of these. A lot of these guys are doing stuff they're not going to be doing, um, you know, at the NBA level. So it's, it's right. really hard to, like, evaluate their offensive profile as a whole. But you can't see that Fernando's not that comfortable um, taking three-pointers. That's probably going to be a, a, a multi-year process with him uh, for the Hawks. But the, the raw physical talent is clearly there. And, you know, it's, it's good to see a, a big – that the Hawks have that can, you know, comfortably bring the ball up for and initiate offense. I want to see – actually, I want to see him and Spellman do that more often since they both have the talent to do it. And, 
you know, this is, you know, summer league's the time to try stuff out like that. Uh, because that's something, that is something Lloyd Pierce talked about in one of his uh, interviews with, uh, again, Chris Kirshner of The Athletic. That's something uh, Pierce talked about. He wants, you know, John Collins to, yeah. you know, bring the ball up the floor and initiate the offense, not wait on the outlet pass. And I, I'd say the same for Spellman and, and Fernando. They had the dribbling talent to do it. You'd like to see them Spellman, you know, for sure. push the fast break. Yeah, push the fast break and try to get try to get an open look that way instead of, you know, looking you know, wasting time and looking for the uh looking for the uh initiator on the outlet. Spellman's a really good ball handler. Like he just has good feel for I mean Spellman's super skilled. Like his yeah. overall Oh my goodness. Skill as a basketball player is incredible. I you you know, you just I mean, it just go it's 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 wild that people thought like that first game that was so divisive. I thought he was good. He just wasn't making his shots. But, you know, guys, people were just dogging him for some reason. And I thought I was confused. I was like, did we watch a different game? He was going to go out there. He got guys open looks. Um, you know, on offense and on defense, like, he, like he, that's where his size is really an issue. Like, it's a deterrent in the sense that guys don't want to challenge him at the rim because he's strong as hell. And, uh, you know, he has good shot-blocking instincts. So, again, it's, I, there's only so much to take away overall at Summer League. The talent, the raw talent level isn't there. But, you know, it's, Spellman's been good. And, and I was really impressed with what Fernando had to offer as a basketball player uh, this past game. Yeah, sounds good. I just, I don't know. I, I think he has a lot of potential defensively. It felt like, you know, I noticed that one thing you noticed where he was kind of backing into defenders. or He was, as a defender, he was backing into people that were trying to drive. And like you said, that's going to be an instant foul in the NBA, so he's going to have to be careful of that. He seems like he can kind of switch. I, I It was so hard to get a feel for it because there were plays where, you know, he'd get switched onto a guard and he just did a masterful job. And then there were plays that he got switched onto a guard and it just seemed like everybody got lost, and he's probably had like 45 minutes of total practice time leading into this game, so I don't even want to draw any conclusions, but it just it does feel like he has a good knack as a help defender to kind of just muck things up at the rim like Spellman did, and, and the two together out there, you know, I thought they did a good job at the rim defensively. In a game where the Hawks didn't have a whole lot of bright spots, I thought their interior defense was, was pretty good. Yeah, again, the Hawks, I mean, the second game, there really wasn't much to take away from the first game just due to the fact that the NBA basketball players that were interested in pretty much didn't play outside of Spellman. Uh, but, like, just in general during the second game, the problems with turnovers and fouling. Uh, but, you know, when they, were, when they were set, you know, they had a couple of miscues early on in the first quarter. Outside of that, I thought they were, you know, pretty solid overall, but Again, it's hard to get a feel. Um, we, we don't, like, I personally don't know how much Fernando and and uh, Hunter have just even been with the team at all. I know they've right. been in Vegas. I, yeah, I've yeah. seen some pictures where they're working out right. somewhere in Shooting the vicinity of the Hawks Summer League team. Right. But, you know, they, they, they couldn't, like, it, like again, if, if you don't know, since they weren't, since they weren't officially drafted by the Hawks, the Hawks couldn't 
couldn't really do anything with them until those trades were made official. Um, and that, that happened late last night, yesterday. So it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that we're not going to get the full package from them like we did with, with uh, Trey Young uh, this, you know, on the previous summer league. But, you know, there were some positive stuff to take away uh, overall from them. And really, to me, the talent was clearly there. And that's really all I'm looking for at the moment, just the raw physical talent and do they have the proper feel for the game and will the stuff they're trying will the stuff that they're trying to do and will translate to the next level and I think for you know Fernando Selman and Hunter that absolute uh, so I'm not not too concerned on that front and sadly we're not going to see Cam Reddish uh, that's probably the, the guy I would be most intrigued to watch play at the for next sure. level uh, just due to his you know his raw skill level, like his skill level was off the charts for somebody his age, but, you know, I, I'd like to see it. I would I would have liked to see it uh, in a somewhat formal NBA setting with much better spacing than what he had at Duke. I don't know if it's time to switch topics or not, and this isn't much of a segue, but, you know, before we're done, one of the things that I wanted to hit on was just the trade they got DeAndre Hunter. I know a lot of people said the Hawks paid a lot to get that pick at number four, and they did. But at the same time, you know, I, I heard one national person, and I don't want to be the person who just comes out to defend the Hawks. I'm not trying to be a homer here. I was just trying to be practical. Um, but, you know, they talked about the trade, and they're like, well, yeah, it was number 8 and number 17 and number 35, and they had to take on Solomon Hill's contract. It was, you know, what David Griffin's done a masterful job, and, you know, David Griffin, you know, I think has done a really good job trying to piece together the Pelicans' future. But after they kind of, you know, pumped up the Pelicans and shot down the Hawks for that trade and what the Hawks gave up, that same national person, you know, was asked what they thought of the literal three people that the Pelicans picked with those. And, you know, like, you know, Jackson Hayes, you know, what do you think of him? And the national person was like, yeah, you know, well, he was probably the best player available at eight. So, you know, kind of like that pick. And then, you know, they get to whoever they picked at number 15 or 17. And like, yeah, he's probably not really going to be an NBA player, you know, kind of a low ceiling and then they get to number 35, and like, yeah, probably never will be an NBA player. And it's like, you know, when you evaluate these assets, it's like they're not just these things that happen in abstraction that are draft picks. You actually have to make those picks and put these basketball players on a court. And if you, know, if you want to evaluate that trade, you, know, you have to evaluate it in terms of what you actually get with those draft picks. And if you don't think that 17 and 35 are good players, then it's not like the Pelicans fleece the Hawks because if it really – if only two of these guys ever play in the NBA and it's Jackson Hayes and, and uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter. Walker. Yeah, but, like, oh. if, if you don't think he's ever going to be, like, an NBA starter or an NBA rotation piece, and if, if it's really only Jackson Hayes and, and DeAndre Hunter that you think will be rotation players in the NBA long term, then then just evaluate the trade at that. I mean, those those picks that come way down the line if, if they don't turn into much you know assets are only assets until you use them up and then they become your reality and once they're your reality if if they're not as good as what you would hope to get there then i don't know 
I believe in future yeah. assets to a point. I just don't think that, I don't know. I think people look at it in terms of numbers in terms, instead of actual I mean, basketball players. So I think there's, there's a lot of topics to go down. One, I'm pretty sure David Griffin thinks the guys he got at 17 to 35 are good prospects. So I'm not, and sure. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a fan of Nikhil. I was in the Walker, so I'm not really, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to evaluate. I don't think we should evaluate the trade on how good these guys are. Um, I think we need to evaluate the trade in the sense that how much better does it make the individual team, right? Um, and the Hawks had a severe need at wing. They had just traded Torian Prince. They, going before, before they drafted DeAndre Hunter, the Hawks literally had nobody at the three. And so, you know, for Travis Lane, you know, based on reporting, Hunter was his guy. And so he went up to get him. And the Hawks had drafted. And the thing was, the Hawks had the capital to overpay because they had cap flexibility and they had, you know, a multitude of draft picks. They could afford to, you know, splurge a bit. And really, it, it would have been an overpay if they gave up 10. But because they didn't do that, they got somebody as talented as uh, Cam Reddish at 10. Like, it's not really an overpay. Um, you know, 17... 35, like, they, the Hawks, you saw the Hawks traded up for the 34th pick in the draft, and draft to somebody they had in the first round grade. So, like, for the Hawks, due to the fact that they already had a, a great um, foundation already with John Collins, Kevin Herter, and Trey Young, you know, they can, they can afford to uh, spend a bit on their draft capital that they built up during this rebuild. So, to me, like, for the Hawks in particular, like, it's a great trade because they got really two lottery wing talent, uh, two two-way wing guys that on the open market make 25-plus million a season, whether they're good or not. You know, if, even, if, if you're that, if you're as big as, as Kevin, if, if you're as big as DeAndre Hunter is and you can make an open three-pointer, you're going to make 25 million a season. Uh, you see that with Harrison Barnes. Uh, Torian Prince is probably going to get paid uh, in this offseason somewhere around $17 million a season or something like that. Just the fact he's one of the best catch-and-shoot three-point guys in the NBA. And so, uh, like, it's just, it's just hard to get those guys and to get two of them in one draft is, you know, a great outcome for them. So I'm not really, like, to me, for what the Hawks gave up, uh, considering the opportunity cost of just drafting whoever it was at 8, 10, and 17, like, not getting – two uh, wings of that caliber, it, it, it would have been a worse draft for me. So, like, overall, like, I'm not really – like, I understand – at the same time, I understand what New Orleans is trying to do. They're, they're in uh, asset accumulation mode. Like, they're, they're not trying to win the championship right now. They're trying to build uh, this team around Zion Williamson. And in, and in that front, you want as much draft capital as possible so that when – Say if Paul George comes available, you can you can spend six you know future first round draft picks and go get him. Uh, that's what the Clippers just did. The Hawks still have plenty of draft capital uh, going forward, and you know I and you know we could potentially you know it's it, so it's like overall the Hawks are still in in their assets. Their assets are still strong, even though they spent a lot of it in this draft. But to me, it was more that Travis Lane felt that they had to consolidate the talent. They needed a two-way wing like DeAndre Hunter, specifically somebody who's a very good defender. 
um, just due to the current construction of the roster. And, you know, you, then he went high levels with Cam Rich at 10. So I'm, I'm not – like, outside of that, I don't know how to evaluate the trade. Uh, just in particular for the Hawks, it was a great trade, similar to how tra- trading down the draft Trey Young at five um, was a great trade for the Hawks because it gave them the possibility – to get the 10th pick in this draft. And they got somebody as talented as Cam Reddish. Like, regardless of how good Cam Reddish is or isn't, it was a good asset play if you felt as a draft evaluator that, you know, the, the difference between Trey Young and Luka Doncic doesn't exist or is minimal. Um, so, you know, it, it, it just, like, it's not even, you can't take, you know, a draft asset value board and be like, okay, the, 10th and the 17th pick are worth this much, the 8th pick is worth this much, the 4th pick is worth this much, you should only, if you want to move up to draft 4, you know, you should only give up um, 10 and 17, you shouldn't give up 35, because that's, that's a first round draft, you know, that's kind of a first round draft pick right there, so that's a bit too much, but, you know, it really just depends on the team and what they need, and, like, if you have, if, if you know you want Hunter and, you know, how that draft is going to play out, Hunter was going to go at five. You had to move up to get him at four, but you don't give up ten. You know, that's a great trade. And all you have to do is take on Solomon Hill's back contract. And, like, to me, the Hawks aren't trying to win anything. That 12 million is nothing. Like, the Hawks weren't going to spend it on anybody of value yeah. in this free agency period. So that's you might what the Knicks well, should be doing. Like if, yeah, so, and, like, if, if that – like, I feel like a lot of it is, like, people don't think they gave up too much in the sense that they took on Solomon Hill's back money. But it was only 12 million season the Hawks had a boatload I mean they still had they, they had a boatload of cap cap space doing so you might as well splurge on it if the if the if you're gonna get a foundation talent like DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I'm with you in the and I think it on the part where you, you talk about what the Hawks needed and a lot of teams need it and I think there's a premium now for big wings that they're really the draft, you know I think you see smart teams trying to emphasize that position because it's just so scarce. And, you know, you look at what happens to those players. As you mentioned, when, when it comes to free agency, those guys get paid. Uh, you, you look at some other positions and guys don't necessarily get paid uh, unless you're really at the top of your position. But, you know, wings almost always get paid. If, they're, if you're a starting caliber NBA wing, you get paid. You get paid a lot. So you know you get the I mean, premium of, of controlling their rights for a number of years. You get the salary controlled years, I and mean, I think you're going to see the draft skew towards those players more and more and more. I mean, the, if you take this free agency for example, the, the positions that got paid with point guard, because every team needs one. If you don't have a point, if you don't have a starting caliber point guard, like your just season is over. Uh, before it even begins because it, it's just – or, like, that high-level playmaker, like, you just don't have a chance yeah. in this league. Um, point guards got paid. Big wings got paid. And centers that can shoot threes got paid. Yep. Uh, because that, that, you know, centers that are good defensively and that can make open catch-and-shoot three-pointers are immensely valuable. They break defenses because they – they on, on offense they're valuable because they're, they're you know they provide spacing for your point guard. Then on the other end they're good either rim protectors or or uh, you know switch guys depending on their physical profile. But they're just good defenders on that end. And so that's just 
such positive value on a on a uh, game 82 game basis like this they're irreparable for it. Like every team now wants to play five out because they know that that additional spacing just cleans up the offense so much and it makes life easier for, for everybody. Yep. All right. Want to stop there? Yeah, we can. Maybe we should stop with a farewell to Dwayne Dedman. Love that guy. Right. Glad he got paid. One of the best. He, he's of the he's best. a real one. Yeah, uh, I... Like, if Deadman were younger, I would imagine the Hawks would have probably been willing to go as many years as, you know, the Kings were. But the Hawks, you know, Deadman's kind of in a more, you know, Deadman wants to get paid and he wanted security. And the Hawks, you know, they, they just weren't going to go above two years. And, and that's kind of home for him, too. Situation. Huh? And that's kind of home for him, too. Yeah. And, and he's also going through a great situation as well in Sacramento with, you know, playing alongside De'Aaron Fox. Yep. Um, he's going to be he's going to be a real help for them uh, next season when they're trying to make the playoffs. Yep. All right. Well, thank you, sir. I'll uh, have to do this again soon. Thanks, we'll have Kevin. to do some uh, general NBA free agency. I, I'm not even sure that I've wrapped my head around it. I guess you know if we're really tardy on it, we'll call it a season preview. But you, you know, that's just semantics <laughs> and labels. Yeah. We, you know, we we'll probably hit on it next time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long off season ahead. We'll, we'll get to it. All right, thank you, sir. No problem. Bye.